so our tradition here to pray the Apostles' Creed every Sunday. It's a little less clumsy than, than the other one, uh, but I do have a bone to pick with it, and, and it's this. They, 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 they say, born of the Virgin Mary, comma, suffered under Pontius Pilate. What the hell happened in between? <laughs> born of the Virgin Mary, suffered... There's a whole lot going on between. And, and it, it's really been kind of forgotten in, our, in, our, in both of the creeds. The other creed is the same. And it was tried to be rectified. I, I think it was one of the best things that John Paul II did when he added the, the luminous mysteries to the, to the rosary. And the luminous mysteries are all about the ministry of Jesus, the things that he did, the, the baptism in the Jordan, the wedding feast at Cana, the transfiguration, uh, the institution of the Eucharist, but, the, but the, the favorite one, my favorite one, because it is by life, is the proclamation of the gospel, is the proclaiming of the good news. Jesus is inaugurating his ministry. He inaugurates it in, in Luke and Mark when he goes into the synagogue and, and, and he says, here's what I've come to do. If, if you've been in confinement, I'm going to release you. If you're in prison, you're going to get out. If you're blind, you're going to see. And the poor will have the good news preached to them. Those in darkness are about to see the light. Oh, land of Nephtali, land of, of, of uh, Zebulun, uh, the people who live in the land of gloom, and we are the people who live in the land of gloom. Now, we really, in many ways, you know, next Sunday we'll be preaching on the, the Sermon on the Mount, and the first sentence is going to be, we are the poor ones, blessed are the poor ones. And right now we, we find ourselves living in a, a great deal of darkness and, and there's a danger to the darkness because it can literally swallow us up. It's it's like the the dark hole, the black hole where there where it just pulls you in and once you go in you can't get out. And there's so many things to keep us in the land of of, of gloom. Uh, the 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 war and I'm told that it's it's the first war we've had since the second world war that is is literally hand-to-hand -hand and face-to-face. -face. And it's going to be a, a, a battle between autocracy and democracy, and we don't yet know how it's going to turn out. We hope for the best. We expect the very best, but we don't know. Now, the pandemic came three years ago. We thought it would be a flash in the pan. Here we are three later, years later, and more respiratory diseases are on the way. It looks like they're not going to end. It takes no genius to see what's going on with, with Mother Earth. And, and, if we, and we are in a state of emergency, and yet we continue to really somehow believe it's going to be business as usual and let the next generation take care of it. It really is a, a hair-on-fire situation. There, there is so much going on in our world world and, and our politicians cannot even come together to figure out how to pay our bills and eggs are five dollars a dozen go figure this is not good news why why so much bad news and really are inundated with it all we need to do is go online turn on the television 
And of course, we know the saying, the reason that we get so much bad news is because that's the news. The, the lead story in every television program is if, if, it, if it bleeds, it, it leads. Huh? If, it's, if it's something that's going to grab our attention and hold us, we, we find that we will be made profit of. And so, and, and it's immediate. Fear is absolutely immediate. Uh, we, we look for the light at the end of the tunnel and all of a sudden we realize it's a, it's a locomotive coming right at us. So it's very easy to fall into that trap. It's contagious, it's big, it's immediate, but it's not who we are. I, I dare to believe, and this is what I want to preach today because I do want to preach good news. I dare to believe that the core of our being is light, is, is, is brightness, is beauty, is love. The, the difficulty is that the dark, the fear, the anxiety, the depression, the depression and the mental illness in our world today is legion, is immediate. It's fast. It brings us down really quick. Love, on the other hand, takes great time. St. Paul tells us very clearly, even before love is kind, it's patient. It doesn't come very fast. We have to wait day by day. And so we listen to Isaiah through all of this. The people who were in darkness have seen a great light. The light has come into the world, and the light is the light of the Christ. John tells us the light came into the world and the darkness could not overcome it. The smallest light is greater than the greatest darkness. We've heard it a thousand times. The difficulty is believing it. And then the piece de resistance, acting on it. Jesus comes to proclaim that the kingdom of God is at hand. It's right around the corner. And there is an urgency to it. He calls his disciples today, and, and what are they doing? I mean, they, Peter and Andrew are leaving their nets behind them. They're following him. Jimmy and Johnny are leaving their old man. And, and, and in a Jewish culture, there are two things you don't leave. You don't leave, your fault, you don't leave your family, and you don't leave your livelihood. They're walking away. Why? Because there's something coming. And it's incredible. And it's at hand. It isn't a million years from now. It's at hand. So the kingdom of God is at hand. The urgency tells us and compels us to move on. Get, in, get going. Why? And, and, and in order to do that, there's one thing we need to do. And it's the beginning of the messages. He picks it up from St. John the Baptist, but quite different emphasis. John is trying to get us to go back to the law Jesus is preparing us for something more. He says, turn around from the way you've been thinking, the way you've been seeing, because there's something so beautiful, and you ain't going to see it till you're able to let go of the egoic power that you're holding on to, because you think that's all there is. That ain't all there is. Oh, there's so much more. So repenting, metanoia. I, I am inviting you to have my mind. Metanoia, metanous the higher mind, the mind of Christ, which means that we are called now to see through the eyes of Christ and to do what he did. Obviously, St. Paul gets it. 
because he had this great conversion on the road to Damascus when he falls down and the light appears to him so light that it, it blinds him. He is blinded by the light, but he understands now what Jesus is calling us to. And he's going out, he's saying, look, my job now is not to baptize. My job is to preach good news. And he's looking at the Corinthians and he's saying, you look like the bad news bears. Who are you following? Chloe, Apollos? Who are you going to follow for crying out loud? Did Chloe die for you? Did Paul die for your sins? What is he saying? You're blinded by your little tribal fights. I dare say we're still blinded by our little tribal fights on all kinds of different levels. He says your job now is to be one in mind and in heart. That means you've got to repent. That means you've got to let go. Because the kingdom of God is at hand. Except for one thing. It wasn't. It, it didn't come. You know, at the very beginning, uh, Paul used to go out after they would have the vigil on a Saturday night and come out Sunday morning, look to the east, and expect Jesus to come back any day. He didn't come back. And by the end of his life and the end of his writings, he began to mitigate his message a little bit because the second coming was not in, imminent. Now, now, something happens that when when the charismatic leader does not come back. How do you keep that spirit going? Well, you form an, an institution in order to keep the message alive. And so the apostles appoint the seven deacons to serve the people so that they can minister to the, to the word and, 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 and the ministry of the word and the, and the preaching of the gospel. And, 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 but as time goes on, the message sometimes gets lost, and we fall asleep. You see, the, the number one job of any institution, whether it's a, a political institution, a military institution, or even a religious institution, the number one job is to keep the institution alive. And sometimes in the, in the matter of our hierarchical keeping our institution alive, we lose the message. In other words, we literally fall asleep. Jesus seems to be anti-sleep. In so many ways. He needs to call us again to wake up. Could you not watch for one hour? Wake up. Wake up. And so from time to time, there have been awakenings, different awakenings. From time to time, there have been well, almost every generation thought that they were the millennial generation, that Christ would come on their generation. The Seventh-day Adventists have made a whole religion out of the fact that he's going to be here every day, and so have the Jehovah's Witnesses. They just have to keep on changing the date. You know, He's not coming yet, but we still somehow need to have that urgency. And, and, and so how do, how do we do that? How do we wake up? John Shea taught one of our classes in, in graduate school, and he, and he said about every 500 years, there is a major, major change. He says he doesn't think we're going to be seeing the end of the change. He thinks that we're quite right in the midst of it right now, but it's going to change everything. The last one 500 years ago, of course, was the great 
reforming, reformation, and then the counter-reforming. And today there's going to be a new reforming. There is going to be a new awakening, a new age. And, and I, 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 I honestly think that there's a whole lot to that and that we are entering into what may be called the new axial age. I'm sure you've heard of the axial age. That was Karl Jaspers, the the German philosopher who says that it was very interesting as he looked back at history that between the years 800 BC or BCE and, and 200 BCE there was this there was this it wasn't it wasn't a convergence but literally all around the world there was periods of awakening periods of in, enlightening he said within those within those few hundred years finally culminating down with the Christ. You know, there, there was uh, Socrates and Aristotle and, and then the Israel prophets and, and the, 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 the Hindu Vedas and, 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 and Lao Tse was teaching at the time, Confucius was teaching at the time, culminating in Jesus. Each had a truth. But the truth were all over the world. And finally, when they did come together, especially when Christians and Muslims came together, his, their truth did not look like our truth, and so we fought wars with each other, killing each other up until today. But today, there is a belief that there is a new axial age coming about. And this time, it's, it's a convergence. This time, whatever is deep in each and every insight into what the world is ultimately about and what God seems to be doing in this world is coming together in some kind of a, a convergence. The second axial age seems to me, and, and to many, uh, uh, upon what, what Martin Luther King once said, in the future, we're either all going to learn to live together, echoing the words of Paul, as brothers and sisters, or we're going to die alone as fools. Now, now I think the, the godfather, or maybe the grandfather, of the second actual age was Pierre Teilhard de Chardin, who, who saw this coming, who, who saw that we were in the process of evolving and the world is evolving incredibly quickly there there really is a radical change that we can almost measure by the decade by the year by six months it seems like history went along and along and along and then and then especially after the the technical revolution it seems to be going straight up right now straight up to the point where it is predicted that we may not recognize what it means to be a human being 50 years from now, especially with what's going on with the artificial intelligence where our minds are really being read. The question is, can our spirituality, can what it means to be a human being evolve, I don't know if it ever could do it as rapidly, Love takes time, but if it doesn't, we're in serious trouble. Here's what Chardin said. He, he believed 
that uh, there would be a, 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 com a complex convergence of consciousness. Differences will not be abolished. We're still going to be different. We're still going to see things through the lens which we were taught. We're still going to believe the narratives and stories that we've been told. They're not going to be abolished, but they're going to be transformed in a new coming together. A deep, the deeper you go in your own personal tradition, the more you have in common with those who are deep in their own tradition. We have been having tribes fight with each other forever on every different level. The great truth is when you go deep enough, you discover we're all the same. Well, we really are all the same, but we've got to go deep. That truly is good news. The great prayer of the Christ was that all may be one. The great reality is that we are one. That's just the fact. We just don't know it yet. And, and as we go deep in our own tradition and we go, the, and our sisters and brothers go deep in their own, we find that we are coming together in a very, very special way. So that we come to the realization that there's only one tribe, the human tribe. As I said of Jackie Robinson when he broke the color barrier in baseball, he is a real credit to his race, the human race. Here's how Chardin put it. Remain true to yourself and true to your tradition. Now, I talked about going deep. Chardin talks about going up, transcending. He says, if you, he says, be faithful to your tradition, but move ever upward toward the great consciousness and the greatest love. At the summit, you will find yourselves united with all those who, from every direction, have made the same ascent, for everything that rises must converge. And we've heard that saying a thousand times. It comes from Chardin. Everything that rises, because all truth is one. No matter where you find it, it's still one. It's still true. And it does converge. What I would like to proclaim as clearly as I can today is that the kingdom of God is at hand. And, and there really is an urgency for us to let go of our little egoic world to transcend into the world of union, to see through the lens of the Christ. And we can. Why? Because we are the Christ. We are the Christ in space and time. We have been gone through our own baptismal bath and we have come out the other side seeing what he's capable of seeing and then doing what he's capable of doing. And so our job is to go forth and to continue to proclaim and to be that good news. That's, that's my life message. I really think in, in some very real way that's all of our lives message. And there's no time to lose. There's no time to lose. We are learning to, to master the world. And now it's finally time to learn how to master the human heart. Here's how Chardin put it. Someday, after mastering the winds, 
and the waves, the tides, and gravity. We shall harness for God the energies of love. And then, and then for the second time in history, the history of the world, we will have discovered fire. That's, uh, that's at hand. That's the kingdom. And my sisters and brothers, that's good news.